like scary movies. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Think of the children. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Oh, oh somebody please think of the children! Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin, it's an extension of number one. And number three, Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Someone's out to make a scene. You know, cash in on all the movie murder hoopla. So it's our job to observe the rules of the scene. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage, candy. Your core audience just expects it. And number three, if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever... I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises and what they mean about the cultural zeitgeist. And here we are back with the second movie in the Scream franchise, aptly titled Scream 2. Uh, we're going to talk about sequels and what sequels mean and how this movie specifically calls out sequels. And to do that, we've got me, Andy Wilson. We've also got returning champ, Melissa Martinez. How are you doing? I'm good. My Rangers are back in first place where they should be. First so place, I baby. am good. <laughs> yeah. Keep as long as the Astros keep losing and as long as we keep beating the Mariners, everything's uh, everything's good. Yep. Um, also here, um, probably not rooting for baseball teams as much, but Brookheim, how you doing? Oh, sorry, I hit the mute button. Um, I just don't vote for the right baseball team, so I keep it to myself. Oh, um, really? What do you? Who do you root for? It's okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. <laughs> so that's fine. It's fine. Are you? Are you an Astros fan? Are you no. rooting for the Astros? Are you I'm a not. Yankees fan? I'm not a Yankees fan. Okay, thank God. Okay, then you're fine. I'm a Red Sox fan. Oh. Uh, it's not as bad as a Yankees. As I know. Nothing's as bad as a Yankees fan. No. <laughs> no. They but are I mean, insufferable little pricks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're calling you out, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. There there are no... That's that's fine. That's uh, Although... Um, I mean, I, I also started off the year saying I'm I'm going to root for the Orioles, uh, which at the time I'm like, well, they're going to be like in fourth place, like like always. And same with my Rangers. <laughs> yeah, who knew they'd they'd be so good? So yeah, and the and the Yankees and Red Sox would be at the bottom of the already of the eliminated from playoff contention. Aww. We don't need to be mean. Womp womp. <laughs> we do against the Yankees. Uh, they, they will all go home and um, and sleep on their giant piles of money yeah, with the hugest true. payroll. I, I mean, and their fifty championships or something. You can't feel no. bad for them. No, they're going to be fine. The Yankees will come back and will do fine next year. They can have a bad season. 
So we can. They'll probably could, buy Otani in the off season. Pro- probably that yeah. that actually wouldn't surprise me. That would be the right move. So, yeah, a very very Yankees move. Well, the, they'll probably try and buy half of the half the Rangers infield. Um, I mean, they've <laughs> they've done they've uh, stolen Rangers players before, so you know. Um, no, they yeah. could. They that we wanted them to have Alex Rodriguez. Fuck that guy. Oh, okay. Well, I, we were happy to give him away. I, oh, that okay. Fuck him. <laughs> it's so better in New York. <laughs> he but he belongs with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. All right. Anyway, a little divergence into baseball, but hey, we're back. Uh, talking scream. And uh, Scream sequels, uh, this movie certainly calls itself out in that vein as a sequel. There's an entire scene set in a film class talking about sequels. And our friend Jamie Kennedy, uh, Randy, talks about the rules for sequels. Um, Can we just have a moment of silence for Randy? R.I.P. Randy. Oh, I know. Worst moment of the entire fucking movie. For me, it's when I thought Dewey died. Yeah. Yeah, Dewey. That's true. They both sucked. Dude, in my movie theater, when I saw it, man, when he when we found out at the end that he was alive, people cheered like that was the first time I really experienced like a group cheer like that in a movie theater theater. ever it was pretty awesome well and because randy was already dead you really do assume that dewey is also yeah yeah this time it didn't get me because i knew he wasn't like yeah i was able to like calm my brain down and be like no it's okay like it's fucking okay i I forgot how upset i was by randy dying like because i haven't i don't think i've seen this movie in a good 20 years almost like probably same at least and probably since the 90s sometime um i i know i've seen it more than just in the theater i know i've seen it at home once or mm-hmm. twice but probably not in over two decades and so i forgot a lot of the d's like i forgot how many b-list 90s people like the noxima girl and oh my gosh yeah and uh heather graham i forgot yeah. all of these people everybody's like, were, in this in movie it. i know it's crazy and, and but the worst part of that, in my mind, I was thinking, oh God, this is like Sharknado two when all those people came on because the first Sharknado was this surprise hit and they made it worse, you know, <laughs> like by all these cameos and shit, you know, these wink wink cameos just got so too bad because you know you guys know I love shark movies, even the bad ones. Oh and sure, Sharknado's really bad, but that's what it reminded me. I was like, so many fucking cameos from all these people. It's. I know nobody would ever put this movie and Sharknado 2 together, but that's how I felt. I I felt like they all added something, though. Like, this cast ended up being so stacked. I mean, it was already a really strong ensemble. And then, like, you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar. Dude, like, you got Buffy. I mean, hitting yeah. Hitting her peak. Yeah. and And she's doing... She's doing Buffy. She's doing this. And I know what you did last summer, like all in the same year. And it's like, what the hell? 
That's amazing. Damn, I forgot about that movie. We're getting we're getting her at her peak. We're getting we get a little tiny bit of Josh Jackson right as Dawson's Creek is uh, coming out. Another like hat tip to Kevin Williamson um, doing his work, getting getting uh, cross pollinating his projects, I guess. And um, Timothy Oliphant, holy cow! Dude, I, I forgot Rayleigh Gibbons was, was in, in here. Yes, and yeah. he's a killer. So how did I forget that? You know, me but too. Did. Like, how did I forget? That? I remember the mom. I mm-hmm. remembered that, but I, I, I was like, dude, Rayleigh Gibbons is the killer, and I forgot. Like, I just, I it forgot me out. I forgot so much about this movie because I think I'm like you guys. I saw it like once or twice, maybe at home afterwards, but then you don't really revisit it. Yeah. Which is a shame because it's so good. And there are it's really like, good. The first one was so like, it took off like crazy after a certain point. And so I think everyone just wanted to get in, in this movie. And it's like, if they're going to kill Drew Barrymore off in the very first one, in the very beginning. Yeah. No one has plot security. Like, and I loved it. No Heather Graham played her. In this yeah. Movie. <laughs> that was really funny. Stab. Too. I really yeah. loved that. I was like, damn. But, you know, it, this really is a good movie, and I forgot how good it is. Like, I don't think the opening sequence is as good because, I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. You know, we were shocked that they would kill off, you know, Drew Barrymore in the first one. We're not as shocked about Jada Pinkett Smith, right? Right. Um, we're expecting it now. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think, like, in terms of the opening and how shocking it was, this one's not as good. But I feel like the script is, like, better it knows mm-hmm. itself better and what it's trying to do better. And mm-hmm. the wings to the audience are more, you know, there's just more. <laughs> yeah. I In a lot of ways, this is better, although I would hesitate to say it's overall better than the first. Because yeah. the first had that zeitgeist thing that this one didn't quite capture the same way. Well, um, yeah. Just the cultural experience of that first film in a lot yeah. of ways makes it better. But I think script-wise, what it's trying to do, how many tropes it upended, uh, it it I think this might be the better movie in in a lot of respects, but maybe not better overall. It's it's hard to explain myself, but I no, was thinking I, about that. I, I, I totally agree with you, that. and I think like there's so much about this movie that is like. It's like you said, it knows itself better, but I think that I have more corrections for this film than I did for the first one. Mm-hmm. I think because, like, I think it gave itself a little bit too much permission to create some some gaps in the in the plot, like like at the end when Sydney goes running back to the theater because they want everything to happen on the stage. Why would she have done that when the entire time they've been calling the police and they've been going to authorities? Like, there, there's just yeah. a few moments that when they're like, I think they like, okay, well, we can take this liberty because, because I'm me and no one's going to question me. I'm like an average white male. I can do what I want to. <laughs> um, well, but, and especially so when like she a... gives that, she gives that whole speech in the first one, you know, about dumb. Uh, Girls running inside, yeah, yeah, running up the stairs when they should be running out the front door, and, it's and then like, right, 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 all those things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, no, like, Stingy, you're the smart one, yeah. That was the, like her friend says, We're smart people, we run away from here, and then her friend gets killed. Like, the like, there's yep. just those couple of moments that where, moment like, gets me off, 
pissed me the fuck off. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't climb over him. You break his fucking neck in the goddamn car. That's right. You don't, you don't. Wasn't there a gun in the front seat? Yeah. Fucking shoot him. Shoot him. Pick up his knife and kill him. The one that he just sliced the other cop's throat with. Like, you don't fuck around here, Sydney. So, like, those couple of moments, I was like, okay, they're, they're insulting the, the audience just a little bit too much with these moments. They are assuming they can get away with whatever they want to because they're scream. Because and, they're making and, fun of the trope, but ugh. Right. Yeah. But it, in those in those moments, it didn't even seem like making fun of the trope. It seemed like they thought we were dumb enough to believe the trope again. And that's where I was like, that's unfair. Don't do that. Don't, yeah. don't do that. I'm going to slap your hand. But other than that, I do think that there's so many moments where like the way they play the boyfriend off and the the sorority girls and the people like there's these it, it does it knows itself better it it goes a little bit deeper and and i love the humor of the first one but they kind of take the humor out of this one and go darker like a little deeper and a little darker a little more horrorish and i it works in this one the humor was brilliant did you say a little more horrorish Horror, horrorish. I did say horrorish. I can't say the real word, so I did say horrorish. Yes. <laughs> anyway, proceed. Yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but they kind of, but there's still humor. Like it's still, they've still got some of that. After Randy dies, I think they start to just go like all in on the, the horror, horror. Um, but I, I liked that. I liked that they let it go darker. Because we've already experienced the first one and they can go a different way here. Yeah. I completely agree. No um, horrors were harmed in the filming of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we know of. So, um, okay. We we started talking about how stacked the supporting cast is. And we we even skipped over some, like, pretty big people. Um you know, we mentioned the mom is is the killer, uh, and that's Lori Metcalf, the um, the sister from Roseanne, <laughs> uh, and a great actor in her own right. And she is she's so good in this. She just like disappears into that role, and for the first ninety yeah. percent of the movie, she's so unassuming, and you think she's just like the 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 Gail Weathers fangirl and wannabe and then it's like nope nope and she is scary by the end she, she does is such a good job I remember thinking to myself how did she make sure she didn't run into Sydney spending all that time on campus yeah I know that That's, that um... didn't that didn't sit well with mm-hmm. me I was like, mm-hmm. Especially because she's around Gail so much and Gail was always pursuing Sydney. It just, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't, there, there is a lot of like, oh, it just happened. We have to suspend our disbelief. But yeah, that, that does not, um, the, that's not. Except that Gail and Sydney weren't in the same place very often. And if she's following Gail the whole time avoiding Sydney because she knows that Gail and Sydney are pissed, it would be easier to like turn around or avoid, avoid uh, Sydney's view, you know? Yeah, I guess. But But I just, I, 
I remember thinking at the beginning, like, that's very clever. Um, the first yeah. time I watched it, she was, I think, be, maybe because I watched so much Roseanne, I was like, she can't just be a fangirl. There's got to be something going on here mm-hmm. with her. But I don't know. The, but but yeah. then, you know, the like you said about that supporting cast, like, anyone's a target. Anyone can go. Anyone could be a suspect. Yeah. And if they're not a suspect, they're a target. So, like, you're not sure which one is which. Yeah. I, I frankly was, like, waiting most of the movie for, like, her to die. I'm like, oh, she's going to, like, she's going to be following Gail, and then the killer is going to come after Gail, and then she's going to die a gruesome death. And it's like, oh, no, an innocent was was murdered, and... And then no, See, no, she's. The I thought she was gonna follow Gail. Gail was gonna get, you know, pursued by Ghostface, and that she was gonna save Gail, and then Gail would have to end the movie reluctantly taking her honors or sidekicks, and she saved her life, oh. like almost like a punishment kind of. That's <laughs> why I remember thinking that the first time I saw it, and I was way off. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I never suspected her. Yeah, um, and. And what a fun, like, inversion of the Friday the 13th trope where Jason's right. mom is the killer in the first one. It's like, oh, okay. So Billy's mom is is the killer in the second one. Oh, that's, that's pretty fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, other, other cast members, uh, Jerry O'Connell as Derek, the boyfriend. Uh, wow. Um, he's pretty great. And you definitely suspect him for a lot of the movie. So, um, cause I think the, the movie is like, uh, you should suspect him and you should, uh, I never suspected him because I thought that it would be her boyfriend two movies in a row just didn't seem right to me. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense too. Yeah. But he is a little, I don't know, but, um, but we're getting more Jerry O'Connell at kind of, again, peak Jerry O'Connell times as well, which is, which is a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to save Jada Pinkett and Omar Epps for their own discussion in a minute. Um, but leave Shriver or leave Shriver as, as cotton. Um, that's an interesting performance. Um, what do we, what do we think about cotton in this movie? He was exasperating to me because you want to sympathize with him because you know, he spent a year in jail for something he didn't do. Um, yeah. But the fame horror thing, it just, ugh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, Sydney did the right thing at the end by pointing the cameras at him. But that was, I felt, not, it's not just being altruistic on her part because she knew that's what he wanted. But also to get them off of her back. So it was a little selfish too. But, like, he got what he wanted. So whatever. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I yeah, I'm very ambivalent about him. You know, it's... he bothered me, and here's why. <laughs> because 
How do I say this? I... Uh, I don't have the words for it. There is an arrogance and a demanding in him that makes you look at him and go, this is why we thought you did it the first time, you fuck. Right? Like, um, you were having an affair with the mom. And then you come at Sydney after being in her house, and yes, she fingered you wrong, and you're trying to, like, ex- extract your pound of flesh from her but you're doing it in this way of calling her America's favorite victim and trying to bully and push your way into taking what you want like if that's what you want go write your own book on your own go like and there's do the interviews without her sure you could have a better interview with her but find a way to start telling like I I understand the anger and I understand that um, he feels that she owes him. And I understand why he feels that she owes him. But if you don't want to make yourself look guilty, if you really do want to like say, hey, I did nothing wrong here. Like his actions just seem like those of someone who still understands that they've done something wrong or like that me thinks thou doth protest too much kind of arrogance and anger that's yeah, coming yeah, out of yeah. him. And um, should he have been in jail? No. I think you're right, M- Melissa. You do want to sympathize with him. You do want him to have what he wants. And, and it does. It's really shitty that Gail told him that Sydney had already agreed to it. And so now he starts to spiral. Um, but also he seems a little psychopathic and like maybe we don't blame Sid that much for thinking you did it because you are actually a psychopath. So like get the fuck out. Well, and that's, I think that's a really brilliant part of his performance is because he is playing it that way where you're like, first of all, it's leave Schreiber and the guy always looks kind of scary crazy Um, yeah so he just just putting him next to nev campbell it's like um this guy is intimidating um but yeah there is that that air of i don't know brooke if the word you were looking for was entitlement but that's what i felt like he feels entitled to access to sydney and that he wants to be the main character he and he wants his catharsis and in order for that to happen then he needs access to sydney and she he needs her to do x y and z and really is that any different from the way that like every other psychopath and every other you know, aspect of patriarchy treats women like I am entitled to access to control these portions of you. And I do that for my own purposes and it's extractive and transactional. And that's terrible. The irony here is that I'm about to thank a man for saying what I couldn't say myself. About the patriarchy being represented in this movie. <laughs> I got you. No, I, I know what you were saying. I'm just, 
I'm just giving like, I'm just giving words of, to like, your thoughts. Fuck off, but also like you're totally right. <laughs> uh well, I'm I'm just I'm just building I, off no, of you, what you you said down. it. You said it so perfectly is that he is he's like this perfect and it's not him that I dislike. He's amazing. I love his performance. And I think that's a really good distinction. Um it's that it's it's so eerie and creepy just how well he plays that entitled patriarchy caricature like he brings it to life like really brings it to life in this way that was so disgusting and disdainful that i couldn't even put words to it it just felt like real life so thank you for for putting words to that yeah melissa any thoughts on leave schreiber before we move on well, I, I wanted to say that um, Cotton only acted in title like that because he's white. You wouldn't. He, Good call. He, you know, yeah. that's that's a white man entitlement and a man. Uh, I don't think a woman would have been the same way and certainly not as aggressive. Mm -mm. Uh, that entitlement was disgusting. And it, that was the biggest reason why I couldn't sympathize with him, despite the fact that he had been wronged and spent a year in jail for something he didn't do. Um, but this movie i think really this is the first time i ever heard of this dude and he's had quite a career since then so i i really think that you know this launched him in, into the stratosphere really um much like nev campbell's career really i mean she yeah she was in like what was that party of five party of five party or whatever yeah. i don't know anybody who watched that so like i'd heard of it but you know I okay, so I know one. You watch Party of Five? That's funny. Um, <laughs> I did not. That was one of the only things my mom would let me watch. Um, no way. Oh. Anyway, fine. But um, yeah. So yeah, was, it's impressive how this really launched him. Um, I, I always really liked him as Sabretooth in the in the Wolverine movies. Um. One of those Wolverine movies is very bad, um, but he, I maintain he is actually like pretty good and pretty spot on there. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's great and I think that performance is great and it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do um, in a really subtle way um, that I think is, is pretty cool. Um, you already mentioned the Noxima girl, Rebecca Gayhart, and her sorority sister, Portia de Rossi, uh, which, again, talk about launching someone. She's just about to, like, go into Ally McBeal and then mm -hmm. um, Arrested Development. And just like, wow. Um, Portia great. says the line that I quote more than any other quote from this movie or any of the entire franchise, actually. Which is? Hi. No, I really mean that. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stupid moment that I watched that and I was like, what the fuck? Do people have to clarify that they really actually meant to say hi? Like, I was so not a popular person or a sorority girl. And the first time I watched that, it it hit me in my brain and I started laughing so hard. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is a totally different type of human in existence. And I quote that all the time when I think I'm funny and no one 
knows what I'm talking about and no one thinks it's funny. And every single time it makes me laugh harder inside. <laughs> People need to watch Scream 2 more, apparently. Because, yeah, apparently. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Um, and it just... Again, the economy of that, where it, like, immediately tells you, like, these girls are kind of fake and kind of weird, so just go with it. But And the whole, like, world of sororities and fraternities, which I was not into. Um, I don't, neither of you were, I think. <laughs> I don't think any of us on the podcast were in. Um, sororities or fraternities. I don't know that uh, any no. of us went. Yeah, I don't I mean, think I was so. My college for one year anyway, but yeah, the last thing I would have done is joined a fucking sorority. I don't think they would have me. Like, you know, they. I, I'm not their type. I don't think. My yeah. best friend and my roommate pledged a sorority. Um, she's a Kappa Delta. And I helped her pledge and she was like, do it with me. And I was like, fuck no. And then after she got in um, there, like, honestly, there was this part of me that was so envious. And I was like, just tell me your secret rights. Like, just tell me, just tell me all the secrets. And she's like, no, I won't. I was like, come on, you can trust me. She's like, I fucking won't tell you. And I like, to this day, she wouldn't, she'll, she'll never share. And it would, it really bothered me not that I wasn't in the sorority like I've watched her journey with it and it's actually been really beautiful and the friendship she's had and the ways that they help each other and things but um just the not knowing <laughs> it's like it drives me crazy I wish I knew yeah that's all <laughs> yeah I, I get that um I never went to any schools that had fraternities or sororities so I don't know um, and I don't think JB did either. Uh, well, San Diego State did, but um, he was in grad school at the time, so I don't think he was. Uh, uh, he definitely wasn't pledging fraternities because um, he was living with Kit and our roommate Davey. Um, so, okay. Um, uh, the, the cast of the fake stab, uh, we mentioned Heather Graham and Tori Spelling, and then Luke Wilson coming in. Did anyone know who Luke Wilson was when this movie came out? I did. Oh, I didn't. I did Because he'd been in, he and Owen had been in Bottle Rocket, the, the Wes Anderson movie. And may, let me put it this way. If I had been watching movies in 1998 when this came out, I wouldn't have known who Luke Wilson was. Um. But when I finally caught up with the screen oh. movies in 2000, then like I knew who Wes Anderson was and I'd seen that Bottle Rocket. And so I knew who he was. And and uh, he was in um, uh, what's that movie with Martin Lawrence? Blue Streak. Um, so, yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, the other the other Wilson brother. Never so. seen those movies. Me yeah. neither, Melissa. <clears throat> but I remember when I watched it this time and I saw his face, I was like, no fucking way. Oh, I love that Wilson yeah. brother. Yeah, I know. That's kind of it. But again, like they got a lot of these people just like before they hit big. And it just is insane um, who they got in here. Uh, 
And one one final um, heavy hitter, David Warner as the acting teacher. Um, yeah. Whenever I see that guy, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the bad guy from Tron. <laughs> my favorite. Because <laughs> that's always my reference point. But he is, he is a force. Um, and I think was a really smart choice for that role. I think that the make Sydney say I'm a killer scene is like... Or I'm a fighter. Or I'm a fighter. Sorry. Maybe the the like hinge point of the movie that yeah, is the heart like, of the movie yeah that's it right there and so you like had to have him or i don't know someone someone else of like his stature so i just i thought that was that was great um yeah I, maybe not everyone else is as obsessed no, with david warner as i am but that that's the main quote that i wrote down for my favorite line of the movie and and yeah. that scene after when she's running away from everyone on this stage and it turns from acting to true horror and Ooh. she sees like i just don't know that i've ever seen anything so brilliantly done in a scary movie ever it was really well done. Yeah. It's very artful. Yeah. I also you was like. You feel the moment that it switches for her and you switch with it. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. fucking brilliant. I was also like, man, what an asshole. Like maybe he should be like, oh, my my main actor is like obviously traumatized. Maybe everyone we should remove the artifice and everyone take off your masks because I right. think that's like, it's going to be okay. The stage play is going to be fine that you're not wearing these like classical Greek masks, but yeah, but so well very done. white male of him to let it just go on. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you know my, but my artistic vision, but it's also this space of like, that I think is really smart when it comes to all of the grown-ups in these movies, right? He thinks that he has a better understanding of what's going on. And he thinks that it's his stage and his theater. And so everything will be fine because he's there and he's in control and he's in charge. And this is how we're going to use your pain for art. Sydney, I know more than you. You've, you've got to use this. And there's so much power in what he's saying and also so much arrogance and believing that everything's fine because he's there and it 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 creates the entire precipice for what a brilliant scene that is obviously but it's just so true to life i think of these grown-ups just being like no we've got this it's fine you're just overreacting calm down we'll take care of it or this really is a serious situation and we don't know what to do and can't do anything about it. So we're just all going to flounder around her anyways. Like this, there's so much complexity going on there that um, he, he fits that role perfectly. And, you know, like Melissa said, because he is an older white man who even mocks himself of, at the, at the risk of sounding like a college theater teacher, right? Like mm-hmm. creating his own, 
arrogance there. It's just like so perfect. Yeah. And what would really happen? Yep. And and I think it goes to this script's self-awareness that it knows like right. It knows exactly what it's doing about about this and it's calling it out and and lampshading it but also being like but yes pay attention to this because this is this is kind of the important part this is the problem so this yeah. is where the the depth and the the really social fibers of these problems are created and and the way that they all weave together like this is the issue yeah. And it is really aware of how deep it goes. Speaking of social issues, um, we need to talk about Elise Neal as Hallie, Sydney's roommate, and Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith, and this film's treatment of, or this. Uh, this film series treatment of black people up to this point and specifically scream Two's treatment of black people and the lampshading in the first one. I don't remember there being black people in the first one. Exactly. There were not, there were not, <laughs> which so in the, this one, yep. There's in four this one, prominent black characters in this film and only one of them survives. You killed yeah. off 75% of your black characters. Two of them in the first 10 minutes or so of the movie. What the fuck? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's it's like lip service to diversity. Oh, we have these black people. Oh, but we killed all but one of them off. Yeah. Like, right. What the hell? I don't understand that. I really don't. They just have blinders to diversity so far in this franchise. Yep. Well, and, but again, the lampshading, there's that entire discussion between Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett while they're in line about like, there's no, there's no black people in this movie. What, why are we supporting this? And it's like, well, there's no black people in the Sandra Bullock movie either, so why why should we go see that? And it's like calling it out and calling out their first film that they had an all white cast. And like saying, like, hey, we're we're trying to be better, but then we we take two prominent like decently known black actors and kill them in the first 10 minutes in the most gruesome way possible. And Can I raise a question. Absolutely. Because I don't think this is the case. <laughs> Let me say that right off. So I expect to be told exactly why this is all false. <laughs> um, but I mean, when we're looking at this movie, knowing itself better, and going in in these subtle ways to the, the what's wrong with society, right? Do you think there's any way that they did this to intentionally call a light to it? Yes. Because in the later shows, 
there is more representation. Well, at least the last two. Um, in a way that isn't done like this. Um, right. And I, I wonder if they were showing like, hey, this is a really fucked up part of all horror movies and we need to stop doing this and we're shining a light on it by doing it. But I mean, that doesn't feel like that's the case, but it is. And, and I guess possible. that makes it even worse that if they do know right. themselves so well and they, they still do it this way, like if, if it wasn't on purpose, if it wasn't to be like, here are all of the tropes and we're going to upend all of them. And here's another one. And I hope people will talk about it. Like they are talking about everything else. Then that makes it feel even heavier and worse. But I don't know. Like it's, it's weird that in a movie that knows itself so well and is shining these lights very specifically on things that it creates one of the worst ones without understanding that. Does that make sense? The question yeah. I'm asking. Yeah. M Melissa, you were going to say something? No, I, I think it's possible that they're doing that, but I don't think that's what happened. Yeah. I think they just have blinders. You know, it's white people. You know, Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, those are white people, you know? Mm -hmm. and that fucking sucks. Unless they solicited, like, feedback or something, you know, uh, that, which is entirely possible, you know, but I don't. I just don't feel that that was the case. I don't know. I agree. I do I agree with that, you. I don't yeah. think that's the case. It just sucks. I think this is also like the era of the ultimate in lampshading of like the late 90s, early 2000s, where a show, a movie will have usually a token character of some sort who will make some sort of inappropriate joke and then call out the fact that they know that it was inappropriate, racist, homophobic, sexist, whatever. And then that lets them get away with it. Um, like the, the ultimate example of this is Barney on how I met your mother. And Barney will often say a lot of really like toxic or homophobic things but then because it's Neil Patrick Harris, you kind of wink and let them get away with it. And it's like, no, but that's, it's just not okay. This movie is trying to like have its cake and eat it too by saying like, there were no black people in the first movie we know. So here's four black characters we're going to kill half of them in in the first 10 minutes and does that make us better i don't know you decide audience and i mean the the really obvious answer is no no it does not um because you know once again i mean everybody suffers in this movie but you know but black people suffer disproportionately and that's the uh and and um and and Dwayne Martin as Joel the cameraman is you know again saying the you know he 
he does kind of the same thing that Orlando Jones does in the movie Evolution. He's like, he's like, I've seen that movie. The black guy dies first, and that's usually always what what happens. He's like, no, I'm I'm not having any part of this because I know that black people are gonna die. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here because this is not this is not smart. And and Hallie says that too. She's like we're smart people. We run away and, but then they don't and she gets murdered. So it's, it's just so frustrating. Um, the way that it, it's calling it out, but again, it's, it's having its cake and and eating it too with, with all of this. So, and I mean, I just have to look at it and be like, Oh, the nineties. You thought you were so progressive. <laughs> and in some ways you were better than you what we are right now, but in a lot of ways not. So um I'm really interested in getting to the most recent Scream films and seeing how they do this hopefully better. I'm assuming better because yeah. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I just don't know, so I'm open to that too. No, no, no. I mean, but you're, I mean, you're certainly receptive to like, this is bad. I mean, I think we all, we all look at this and we say, this is bad. And I mean, it uh, there, it's also very nineties to be like, oh, diversity means that we have four black people in the movie, but no Latinos, no Asians. It's just, it's just white people and a few token black people. Yeah. who are calling out the fact that they're the token black people that like that, that isn't diversity, but that is a very nineties view of what diversity is. So, uh, I'm sure somewhere Harvey Weinstein had a spreadsheet of like how many black people to put in a movie to get the, get the highest box office out of it. Um, again, fuck that guy. Anyway, um, but a really amazing cast. Uh, and, and I guess we shouldn't gloss over, like, I thought that Jada Pinkett and Omar Epps were so good. Like, they're really fun. And even though I know that they're doomed from the moment that they show up, they're having a really good time and they are bringing like a lot of life and a lot of energy to this movie that I think would not have been there otherwise. If those had just been two white people, I don't, I don't think it would have been as good. It would have been as good. Um, and it's the same shocking uh, element as, you know, seeing Casey murdered uh, in the first one and to then play it to the backdrop of Heather Graham as Casey getting murdered in the first one is also like chef's kiss, like mm -hmm. really, really effective. So, um, and that theater <laughs> with everybody going crazy was, is about the closest theater experience to, what JB and I experienced going to see scary movie the first time, <laughs> uh, this, the, yeah. Um, 
bring back rowdy movie screenings. Um, those are, it felt like the re-releases of the Star Wars movies. Yes. Yes. Those were also fun. Those were also rowdy. theater, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Marching all around. Mm. Yeah. But half the audience telling people to shh. Like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And then half the audience, like, going, just absolutely losing their minds. Um, yeah, bring back rowdy movie screenings, but but have them be like, this is the rowdy screening, this is the quiet screening, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there are certain movies I would I would go see a rowdy movie screening of. Um, I think, I think something like a scream would do would do well at that. Have everybody yelling at the at the screen. So I think there's something really brilliant in this movie. If they hadn't done any more Scream movies, if it hadn't become a trilogy, if it hadn't become um, something bigger than what it is, it would have been the perfect sequel. And I Mm. love the talk about sequels throughout the whole movie and how there are no good sequels and how every time he brings up one that is a good sequel, is like, nope, that's part of a trilogy or that's part of a franchise or that's this or that's that. And I think that if this had been the final movie of this, of this franchise, even though it would have just been a sequel, I think, I feel like it would have been the perfect sequel. It knew itself better. It did outside of like maybe two or three studio notes that I have, it did everything in a, more meaningful way not a more cheesy or it did everything in a way that was that brought more meaning to it instead of just trying to level up and so many sequels or series they just keep trying to make things bigger and more for shock value and more for awe and in this one they didn't have to do that everything had an even better meaning to it and i i thought that was really brilliant because obviously we know now that it's gone on to all of the other movies but at the time it was less than a it was like what a year later and they were doing it even bigger and better with more people and more of the supporting cast and i just yeah i thought that was really and to be calling out sequels the whole time obviously like they did in the first one but to be calling out sequels and doing it perfectly i thought was just really smart do you, where do you both come down on this do you think that there are sequels that are better or as good as the original. I mean, I definitely agree with the Godfather part two. I Um, think that's pretty universal. Um, In the star Wars trilogies, the, the second movie is always the best. So you could, you know, except for attack of the clones. Well, okay, but, but yes. I don't count the prequels, whatever. Okay. Um, but like Empire Strikes Back is way better in my mind the than New Hope, you know? Yeah. Um, the Last Jedi, way better than The Force Awakens, you know? So good. So, um, and I know a lot of Star Wars fans don't agree with that, but those fans are wrong. But those and, people are wrong. The Last <laughs> Jedi is a masterpiece. It, it really is. It's. It might be my favorite out of all the movies, if I don't count nostalgia for the original trilogy. Um, I think it's even better than The Empire Strikes Back. I do. Um, oh, so, wow. Yeah, I do. I really do. But um, that's just me, you know. Uh, 
so yeah, there is some precedent for that, but mm-hmm. not usually. It's not, it's not the norm. Yeah. Curious. I know a certain subset of people who have liked Glass Onion more than they liked Knives Out, which I thought was an interesting take. Um, just speaking of Ryan Johnson. Um, another one I thought of was um, The Jewel of the Nile and Romancing the Stone. Because there's only two of those movies, and I don't know. Um, we might have to revisit those, but I seem to remember that Jewel of the Nile was perhaps even as good or perhaps better. I have not um, seen those movies in probably 30 years, so I yeah. don't remember, <laughs> honestly. Can but I yeah. just say that I like A New Hope better than Empire? That's okay, too. I think these are all defensible positions as long as no, as as long as as long as I mean, there are three acceptable answers for what's your favorite Star Wars movie or wait. No, there's four acceptable answers because uh, I almost are? forgot Rogue One. Oh, Rogue One, <laughs> New Hope, Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. Those are the those are the four that are the like, OK, yeah, that's, that's a defensible position. And everything else is like, really? Okay. I mean, um, dude, the 30 year old still likes the prequels more than anything else. And sometimes I don't know how to talk about it with him. Okay. Well, that's interesting. He's wrong, but that's interesting. But it's because that was his Star Wars. <laughs> he was literally growing yeah. up when they came out. So. <laughs> Well, that, that's what you that's what you get for robbing the cradle bro i know i do i make my own problems i make my own problems so that's okay um I, the other I, day i was listening a... to a song and i was like oh this one's by jewel and i want to learn it on the ukulele his literal response to me was who is jewel i was like get the fuck out of my house i can't i can't do this i want this Sorry, we can go back to the movie. We're back. <laughs> In December of 1997, when when Scream 2 hit theaters, uh, think about where you were, and then think he about was where five. he was. He was five. <laughs> Crap. Oh, there you go. Um, do we want to talk about the box office of this movie then? and Or is there anything else we want to we want to talk about okay uh oh, i'll tell you one other thing okay. that i just learned apparently i was turning this movie back on to finish it and i looked at my daughter i was like okay you have to get out of my room so i can finish watching the movie before we record the podcast and she goes why i've already seen scream and i was like what the fuck she's like i already saw it mom and i was like I was furious. I was literally furious that she had already seen the first one. She hadn't seen the second one, so I still made her leave. But um, these movies that, like, last week when we were talking about it, and you're like, should we show this movie to children? And I was like, no, not yet. It's too much. Apparently, it has no impact anymore. And she was like, it wasn't even scary. And it made me sad. It broke my heart a little bit. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Wow. Um, That's crazy. Was it... (laughs) 
Her dad is fired. The, the other parent? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Man, I'm I'm very cognizant about like what I let my kids watch and like always check in with um with my ex-wife if we're gonna watch any even some like PG thirteen stuff and be like, We're gonna watch this. Is that cool? And like, yeah, sure. We went and like saw Haunting of, in Venice last night, and I was worried about taking her to that because it might be too scary, which it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was really lovely. But, um, and then she tells me she's already seen Scream, and I was like, WTF. Also, no. it's so funny that, like, yeah, kids these days, like, Scream is, like, so tame. And we think about, like, how that movie was almost NC-17. <laughs> <And>, like, <laughs> It was a right, big right. Deal in the nineties, and like, oh, it's so violent, and now it's just like, eh. you know, yeah, that's that's hilarious and kind of sad, and I'm very sorry, Brooke. Thank that's, you. That's not. But it just feeds into the point that, like, yeah, it, it's not in C seventeen, not even considered scary to them anymore. Yeah, this movie, while still bloody. Like, definitely didn't, um, I think with the exception of Randy, didn't quite feel quite as brutal. Although knife to the head in the bathroom is pretty, well, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about when we get to best kills. Yeah. Um, And the last scene where they're just fucking shooting them up over and over and over and over. That was great. I like that. Yeah. Shoot them. Shoot them. Hell Yeah. Double tap in case they come back. That's, um, and then I started thinking about like, Sydney's gonna probably need a lawyer because I don't know if she could, like, if the police would try to charge her for something. Because, like, if they weren't dead, if she's anyway, that was a whole, that was a whole, like, weird thought rabbit hole I had. Okay. So, Scream 2 came out on December 12th, 1997, less than a year after the first Scream came out. The original Scream was still playing in theaters in June of 1997, uh, and this came out on December 12th. Um, it made $101.3 million, which adjusted for inflation is $201.8 million. Again, a huge movie, not uh, just a little bit less than um, uh, than the first one. It made an additional uh, seventy one million overseas. Um, so actually, the the worldwide box office between these two was only about a million difference. So um, these these just cleaned up. Um, this was a, this was a big, big deal. So, um, yeah, big movie studio notes. How would we, how would we kick the Weinsteins out and make this a better movie? More diversity. I promise you Latinos were around in 1997. Most certainly were. What? I know. John like was almost having a nice little uh, box office tear through the late nineties. 
-hmm. he's age appropriate could have been in could have been one of these roles um could have should have would have plenty plenty of other people who could have um could have been in this movie yeah absolutely agree um and to that point i think you make hallie a survivor too Mm -hmm. yes like okay maybe she got maybe she got stabbed and you think she's dead but also like dewey she's also um she she doesn't die and she gets to live the psychopathic white killer who's doing it for fun isn't really a good killer and the people he keeps killing keep coming back like i like that yeah (laughs) yeah i think that would be i think that would be better um that would that would at least help those two changes i think would help this movie quite a bit um and I think you you could probably add like a third, um, like Asian sorority sister as well, just you know, um, if if we really want to go for like even further. So anyway, um, any other studio notes? I think they should have found a different way out of the car. Yeah. That scene really bothers me that it just goes against the fiber of these movies in Sydney so much that they leave the mask on him and they just run away. And and I know they use it as a plot point for Haley or Hallie to get killed, but um, I hate that. Yeah. And there could have been a different way to get out of that scene. Yeah. I don't like that. And I think there should have been a better reason or an actual reason for her to go back to the theater rather than just like randomly running across campus to an empty theater in the middle of the night when everyone's supposed to be on curfew. Right. Yeah. It, it does seem a little, a little contrived. Um, yeah. Maybe if they hadn't, you know, rushed to make this movie within a year, um Yeah. They could have they could have come up with something better. Uh no, I think that's I think that's acceptable. Another another pass at that to come up with something else. Yeah. Melissa, any other studio notes? Nope. I just the diversity part to me was the biggest thing. It's it's really glaring. Yeah. I mean, and we we skipped over talking about all of that in the first movie because I knew we'd talk about it in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yeah. Okay, best death or kill. Um, I'm gonna go with rebar through the face of one of the cops. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> That was, it was, it was pretty gruesome and like, like the twitching and all that. Like, yeah. The twitching. Yeah. (laughs) I'm evil. Sadistic. I know. We're over here laughing about it. (laughs) So much goo and guts. I literally had to cover my eyes again when I watched it. I couldn't, it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like when they blow what's his name away, and he like literally flies off the ground with all the bullets that Gale and Sid are pumping into him, and he flies into this. Yeah, take that, Raylan Givens. <laughs> no, we like Raylan Givens. We do not like. Yes. Um. Yeah, but we do not like Timothy Oliphant's character here. Um. Melissa, do you have a favorite death or kill? Um, I actually felt like, yeah, the, the, well, I, I said pull through, through the head. <laughs> I don't know. Pull through the head I, too. Rebar, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not, I don't use fancy words like rebar cause I don't know. Oh, sorry. Know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a technical phrase. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because I like, we're used to the stabbing and even the guns to a certain extent, um, but like i don't know that that felt more like um what's that sh- series that horror series the one where they keep cheating death and death comes for them oh, oh final destination yeah that felt very final destination to me it it felt out of place but in a kind of a good way yeah it it felt a little out of place but i guess the most shocking i i didn't expect him because look the whole movie i did not suspect derek because again i didn't think they'd have it be the boyfriend two times in a row but then when he was starting talking about the accomplice i was like well maybe that's the whole point of making him the murderer or one of them is because we didn't suspect him because we didn't think it'd be the boyfriend two times in a row you know so for a minute i started to question it when i first saw this movie and so then when he shot him so suddenly in the heart, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it it actually did kind of shock me, I remember. Um, so th- th- that one, I'm not going to say it's like the best kill, but it, it was the most shocking, I think. It's pretty, sh- it is. Yeah. yeah. You'd think he'd maybe, yeah, have a little, I don't know, affinity for his friend or whatever. But Yeah, nope. he didn't. But can we talk speaking of that real quick? Cause that's when he started talking about the defense, the trial, the defense. Um, I'm the only oh, yeah. time I agreed with Mrs. Loomis in this movie is when she said, you know, that she didn't think that anybody would believe that. Um, so the debate they had at the beginning about violence in movies and shit, like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, personal responsibility and a lack of psychiatric care in this country is really what's to blame for shit like this. And, um, and, and then just bad parenting. I mean, she, she abandoned her son, you know what I mean? Um, he was probably already a psycho to begin with Billy Loomis, but you know, abandonment doesn't help things. Um, but I don't think anybody would have bought that defense. Dude was crazy. Like he was sort of uh, what do y'all think? Because I, I don't think I'm buying it either. Agreed. No, I, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think, yes, lack of access to mental health care is a huge factor. And I hate to, like, go all moral majority on everyone. But every single time there's one of these mass shooters, he, because it is almost always a he, comes from a broken home with an absent father and, and it's all white people. 
all white people. So I'm, uh, you know, I am pointing directly at, at that. And usually they're into crazy right-wing propaganda mm. um, or like weird incel bullshit. It's not violence in video games and movies. It's that stuff. It's um, obviously there's some sort of traumatic break that has happened with some sort of break in their family. And then the influx of um, stuff that tells them that they are entitled to do violence to other people that make them seem less than them as white men. That's the, that's the issue. Can I make a really incendiary comment? Yes. Is, it's the solution really just as simple as this entitlement has become so baked in to our fucked up white DNA that we really just need to stop having white babies? I mean, yes. Um, I mean, can, I mean, if we can have like a, like, like is is like the fact that their dad leaves or they're from a broken family is like this white entitlement really seriously that deep that it's not even it's it's more just become nature versus nurture and they're really just like any little thing can break their ego s- so quickly that that's fucked. Well, and once again, the the problem isn't whiteness it's white supremacy the problem isn't being male it's patriarchy and because you can you can be white you can be male and be a good normal like moral person um but once you start taking those on as an identity where you feel that you you should be allowed to um, harm other people for your own your own pleasure, your own amusement, then that's the or where you start blaming those outgroup people um, for your own problems, then then that's where the issue comes in. And um, I mean, I think. Like, don't have white babies. I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for more interracial, interethnic relationships. We should all just, you know, keep keep mixing until we're all the same color. I think that would be great, and completely erase any, you know, lines of of race or ethnicity. The same way, nobody cares if if you're Polish or German or English or Norwegian or whatever, whereas, you know, a hundred, 200 years ago, that might've mattered quite a bit. Um, we need to erase those lines so that it just doesn't matter uh, because it's the distinction that matters, not the, not the actual like presence of melanin or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
but it's it, but back to the original point it's not the media like there are right. millions and millions of Koreans and Japanese people and Europeans who play all the same video games consume all the same movies and do not have a problem with mass violence the way that Americans do. So it's the guns and it's the mental health care. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really what it comes down to because, because there are people with broken homes in Germany and Korea and, you know, there, there are places where there are absent fathers and they, they don't go, you know, shoot up their school. So what is it about our society? And it's, you know, I think it's pretty apparent what, what it is. And the, fi the fixes to that are actually pretty easy. It doesn't mean banning a bunch of media. It just means, you know, like having a background check on, on whether you can buy an assault rifle or maybe you don't need to buy an assault rifle. Or if you do, you keep it locked up at your gun at your gun club like they do in Canada. You know, like this, I, this just, this isn't very hard. <laughs> um, but yet, but yet we can't seem to get through it. Uh, so no, it's not the violence in media because um, as, as you all have pointed out, <laughs> like the, the Korean movies that we watched on this are way yeah. worse. Um, and they do not have uh, problems the same way we do. So. Okay. Best one-liners or quotes? Brooke, I think you alluded to yours earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. So... Let me pull that back up again real quick. I mean, there's, hi, no, I really mean that. Hi. I say that one all the time. And I like um, when Randy's talking and he says that she's not a suspect, she's a target. Um, just like getting to the fiber of why we're always questioning everything in these movies. Um, and I like when the cameraman goes, um, I'll be back when y'all start talking about something a little more saved by the bellish. <laughs> He's like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> and then the, the line from the, the teacher, and he said, she knew she was cursed and embraced it. None of us can avoid our fate. But as an artist, you can honestly face and fight it. And I like, yeah. I like that. That's pretty good. Um, Melissa, do you have a favorite favorite line? I did not come up with one. Yeah. Down. that's i i like the i like the i'm a fighter thing i think that's uh yeah um it's a good uh, line but uh i don't know it felt what am i trying to say like like they're just like playing in the crowd or something i don't know it it just mm. It felt a slightly disingenuous to me. A little bit. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, um, 
oh, what's the, what's the, contrived. not fan service, but like, yeah, contrived. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, best song. Fuck, I felt the same way about this as I, as you said it last week, Melissa, about how like there's so many good songs in it, but none of them stick in my brain because yeah, it's so not like, about the music. Songs? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. what I felt the whole time I was watching it. What songs? I, you know, I knew this was coming and I'm like, oh, I'll just like Google the soundtrack before and pick one. And then I forgot to do it because I'm not paying attention to the soundtrack because once again, the soundtrack doesn't have to carry the movie like it does for some films. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, this this was a really good selling soundtrack, though, um, and did have a. OK, so. Um, I'm just going to throw out artists here who are on here. Sugar Ray, D'Angelo, Cottonmouth Kings, Dave Matthews Band, Collective Soul, who gets the end title uh, song with She Said, John Spencer Blues Explosion, Foo Fighters, Tonic. I love that Eyes of Sand song. That's great. Everclear, Less Than Jake, The Eels, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, again, back with a... DJ Spooky Mix of Right Red Hand, uh, Kelly, and Ear 2000, which apparently is David Arquette's band. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's the lineup of of the Scream 2 soundtrack. Um, Yeah, pretty crazy. I will, uh, I still think Right Red Hand is uh, the, that's, that's still the best song on here. I do like She Said, that's a good song by collective soul i do like some tonic but um that's a lesser tonic song anyway um best side character randy randy r.i.p randy yeah i think that's the answer in this one isn't it only because dewey lives yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Dewey graduates to to full cast member, I think, to like main character in this one. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Hallie. Oh, Randy. I really liked Hallie. I really like Hallie too. From like the opening moments, she's so she's so good. She's so pure. She's like definitely looking out for Sydney and like on her side in a way that like very few other people are mm-hmm. and certainly no adults are so um okay is this a good movie yes, yes. yeah Hi, this is a good movie i mean not quite as good as the first but um but but very good in so many ways is the main character who i think is still sydney prescott a good person Yes. Yes. Yeah. Even even shooting people in the head, double tap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's okay. We'll take it. Um, should we show this to children? Hey Seth, <laughs> if you're listening, the answer is fucking no. Yeah, I think uh, be careful. E- even though we've just said violent media doesn't necessarily cause violence. It, maybe just isn't good to show 
stuff like this to kids. We'll give them nightmares or, yeah, anyway. Okay, so that's Scream 2. Um, that's that's it. Uh, we're we're going to do Scream 3 next week. Uh, and I, I don't know, anything else we want to say before before that or hasta la vista to, to scream too well done friends well done that's it okay uh see y'all next Yay. time go rangers Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.